For whitetail hunters like us, the mid to late season, or the rut, can be miserable if you don't have the right clothing. You're sitting out there all day long, cold, you're not moving a whole lot. But new in 2019, First Light Solitude System is the perfect insulated soft shell clothing system for tree stand and tree saddle hunters. Whether worn on its own or combined with some other pieces from First Light, this kit offers versatility for the whitetail hunter. One of the things we like best about this system is the kit link pass-through pocket. Basically, you put the jacket on, you can zip these pockets down, and you can actually reach into the bibs fleece line chest muff pocket to warm your hands up and access all the items you've got stored in there. To learn more about First Light's new solitude system, head over to their website, firstlight.com. So we've been partnering with Steerka Optics for a while now. We can't say enough good things. The glass is awesome. The warranty is the best in the industry. Check these guys out, steerkastrong.com. Hello and welcome to the Boga Hunting Podcast. This is a show for hunters of all levels looking for knowledge and experiences to strengthen their hunt. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to switch to traditional archery, this is a great episode for you. Today we talk with Jake Downs, an avid traditional bow hunter who just completed the North American Super 10. Check out this podcast and let us know what you think. Well, Jake Downs, thanks for taking the time to join us on the Boga Hunting Podcast today. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excellent. So we, we've gotten in touch over Instagram, been following you for a while and all the things that you kill. Why don't you tell us about yourself, who you are, you know, you know what you do and everything else. I live in the northwest corner of Nebraska. I'm an electrician by trade. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not working or hanging out with my family, I'm usually out hunting something. So that's pretty much me. I, I don't really have much other facets of my life. It's it's family, hunting, and, and work, and, and it's pretty much in that order. So Not a bad combination of things mm-hmm. you know no no heavy drug use or you know robbing <laughs> malls or anything like that no i never i don't have that problem my wife would say i have a problem an addiction to hunting gear etc but yeah uh, but that's that's in the hunting category and i think any real like like very serious hunter has that kind of gear addiction yeah if they really yeah. knew, if they really knew how much we were spending It'd be a different story. Or how much time at work we're just looking at hunting yeah. stuff. Yeah, luckily my wife doesn't really uh, mess with the finances on that end, so I don't have to hide anything from her. It's I pay the bills. So it's just me that cries, I guess. You know, my wife pays. Maybe I should change that. I have her pay the bills, <laughs> and maybe I can get away with a lot more. And, you know, yeah. that and clearing your browser history, and it's not for the do- their dirty websites. It's just so she won't know how much <laughs> I've been looking at, you know, like Rock Slide in a day or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My wife's gotten so used to it. If a package packages show up all the time, and she just she just doesn't even doesn't even hardly phase her anymore. <laughs> You've broken her a little bit. Yeah, that, we've got the same thing. I had except I was telling Jared this the other day. I, I had an order come in from First Light, and I've been wearing their. They've got like a neck gaiter, but I've been wearing it like a headband. So I went and like I literally ordered one of their headbands, but it's a women's one, which you say whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> and I get it. And my wife walks in. She's like, oh, did you order something? I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, I got some stuff from First Light. She grabs it. And it's somehow between me opening the box and that moment, like it, it is now hers. It's not even mine anymore. <laughs> she she took it. She commandeered it. So I got to order another one. But yeah. So how long have you have you been hunting? You're, you're in your 30s now, your early 30s, I believe. How long have you been at it? Pretty much my whole life. Uh, my dad was a big hunter. So, I mean, I was shooting rabbits with the 22 about the time I could I don't know when we started doing that but I was pretty little mm-hmm. my mom's got pictures of me my dad was a big trapper back in the day she's got pictures of me as a baby like six-month-old baby on the trap line with him so oh, I mean I've, 
I've been submersed in it since I was young. So, but uh, you know, when I got to be 12 years old or whatever, um, that's when it really started bow hunting and yeah. being able to actually buy tags and whatnot. So, so you, you're you, you did you start out as a, a trad guy? You know, I know that it wasn't such a thing like trad is now, but right. were you always traditional archery or, or did you, you switch back and forth or how'd that go? Well, actually, when I started, the way my dad hunted, he hunted with an old compound with no sights, just shot fingers. With a compound? Yeah, with a compound. That was kind of, you know, the bare bow type thing. That yeah. was kind of a... That's like the, the Dan Fitzgerald. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. That's what his. They mm-hmm. still do that. They they have their mechanics glove that they use. Instinctive compound shooting. Yeah. Yep. 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 I know that one guy does it still. Um, I know. Uh, He's a heck of a good shot. I'm yeah. Just blanking on the name. Doesn't he? The, isn't he the um, guy that shoots the Oneida bows, Jared? Y- yep. What's yep. That guy's and I don't name? know. I completely blank on his name. He's a great shot, though. You're right, and he he's a little crazy. Yeah, he's he's a killer, that's for sure. So that's how I started out was with the compound, instinctively shooting, and that's how I shot my first deer yep. uh, or first few animals and then decided that I wanted to try traditional art. You know, I was a big Fred Bear fan, yeah. and I was like, all right, I'm going to get a recurve. I might as well try it and struggled with it, ended up selling it, going back to the compound. A few years later, just picked, pick up, picked up a recurve and, and just dedicated myself to learning how to be proficient with it and then it after that came the compound i actually kind of bought a compound after after really being more of an instinctive guy for a long time in my youth you know my teen years and then i got a compound so that that's you know always been a second thing for me Secondary. Well, it's, by the way, going back, it's Tim Wells. That's who it is. Tim Wells, yeah. I, I don't know why I can't remember his name ever. but Yeah, I know. And, and you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, I got my first compound bow. It was like a PSE Nova, I think it was called. Yep. Like 40 pounds or whatever. I was not like not deadly at all with it. But my dad wouldn't get me a sight or anything. He's like, you just got to gotta learn how to shoot, which I don't think he even knew what he was saying. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, I was like, cool, Dad, you know. <laughs> So I missed a lot, and you're chucking your bow across the yard and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, now I've come full circle. I don't have any sights on my bow. Jared, how about you? You got a few sights on yours? A couple. A couple <laughs> of nice ones. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you've kind of gone back and forth. So are you shooting both right now, traditional and compound? Uh, I still do. I mean, on occasion, I'll pick up the compound. Just I, I shoot. I You know, I hunt more with the recurve, yeah. I would say. And this year, I've only shot a couple animals with the compound. It's... It's more for me, like some guys like to go pick up a rifle and shoot a deer or shoot something and or go shoot geese with, you know, a shotgun. Right. For me, it's just switching it up a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I still hunt the same way. I've Most of what I've shot with a compound is under 35 and under anyway. Right. So, yeah, it, it, I do. But uh, this year, I really haven't picked up the compound much. So, don't know why. I just haven't. Yeah, once you once you kind of go toward one mm-hmm. thing, I feel like you just kind of. I've had that with rifles too. Like I just slowly hunt less, and it's not like I've got a problem with it. I just don't. Yeah, but you also sold your compound because you didn't want to have the option. I did to be able to to fall back on it if yeah. you felt like you were struggling at all. I did, yeah. Like to start when I switched to to traditional, it was just like I can, if I have both. Then the moment that it gets difficult, and I don't. I, this right. is not to say it's for for everybody. Obviously, it worked fine for you, but like the moment it gets difficult, or I want to go hunting, and I'm I'm just gonna grab my compound because it's it's always right. been there. Yeah, and see, that's I think that's my biggest biggest difference from most people. Most people started more with a compound, hunted with it, saw some good success, 
and then moved into the recurve and see i've done a lot more and gotten proficient with the recurve spent more time with it so for me it's not really like oh man i wish i had my compound i don't really ever you don't I mean, even I'm think not about it I, I don't really even think about it it's more of just a, a separate weapon that yeah. every now and then i'll grab and and go but yeah i think that's the biggest difference for me is i'm just uh I kind of started different than most people. You know, right. most people progressed a different way. So I think it's for some people it is. It's I got to get rid of that compound because I just want to take it out. And the for training me, wheels. Yeah, and for mm-hmm. me, if I'm shooting my compound and my recurves in the truck, sometimes I'll grab the recurve just because I'm like I, I'd rather be hunting with that. Yeah, I guess yeah. Is what I'm saying. So so you're you're you know one big thing that you've done is this traditional. I mean, it's the archery super ten. Mm-hmm. You did it with traditional gear. I want to talk about that, but like to start off, I want you know for people who are listening who don't know what the Super Ten is, what is that and how does it work? The North America Twenty Nine Super Slam is twenty nine of the big game species recognized by Pope and Young or whatever. And what this basically is is one subspecies of each one of those. So in that North America Twenty Nine, there's three moose five deer a couple elk three yeah. three elk etc so so what that is is taking one of those species out of each category and it adds up to 10 and so they've kind of made it as a uh, more attainable goal because you know the the 29 you can definitely do it but there's a few animals in there that you're gonna there's no way to do it without paying a re- pretty ridiculous right. amount of money so they've kind of come up with this as a you know, a shorter term goal for guys. And did you so. just did you decide that you wake up one morning and thought, you know what I'm going to do? Super ten. <laughs> I don't know, kinda. I mean, I've I've talked about it a lot, and I guess what it really is is I'm a pretty goal oriented guy, yeah. and and I had already you know shot three or four animals. I've always watched Fred Bear's videos. Right. I've got every one of them, and when I was younger. Still, too, I, I'm a big Fred Eichler fan, and right when I kind of was getting into the recurve and et cetera, and yeah. he was uh, just finishing up his 29, I thought, man, that'd be cool to do that, but, you know, I got four or five animals, that's going to be quite a... And then I learned right. about the Super 10, so I was like, all right, well, that's that'll be my goal at first, and then we'll see where I go from there, but so that's kind of how it... It never really was like, oh, I'm, you know, starting from scratch, I'm just going to get this done. Right. I had a few animals, and I just kind of chipped away at it well and you you're in nebraska i mean and i feel like nebraska is a pretty underrated state you know we said this about the dakotas too but like nebraska has a ton of great hunting like you've got more than just like plains of whitetail you know cornfields and whitetail yeah and see that's uh, most people don't realize and i don't where i live i live in the northwest corner so honestly our hunting is the best thing about our hunting is that we have pretty liberal seasons yeah antelope Archery antelope opens the 20th of August, goes to the end of the year. I can shoot two buck deer and quite a few does if I buy the tags, yeah. whitetail does. And that goes from September 1st to the end of the year. And then there's turkey. I mean, I can almost hunt turkey year-round. I mean, not really, but... Yeah, super long season. That's what mm-hmm. Mark was talking about, mm-hmm. Jared. Yeah. Really long. And, and in the fall, you can shoot four birds. And in the spring, you can shoot three. Wow. And uh, so the best thing about Nebraska, I mean, our deer herds get hammered. Every non-resident and Easterner come out here to shoot uh, because we got a lot of public land out here and it just gets hammered during the rifle season. So, I mean, I wouldn't say 
Nebraska is like a, a sleeper state for coming and killing big bucks. It's just, I mean, if you have permission on the right property and it's managed well, yeah, yeah but it's those bucks move off a of property and, and they get shot. Jake, what do you Not know? Shot. What can you tell us? Yeah, that's you right. Fill us in on something? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've, I've, I've only got a couple guys that I hunt on and, and they're nowhere near home. And I'm just thanking my lucky starters that I get to hunt there. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a good state, but what I like the most about where I live is I'm 20 minutes from South Dakota, I'm yeah. 45 from Wyoming, and Colorado is only, you know, three and a half hours from where I That's sit crazy. now. So what's not, in Montana, same thing. I mean, I could be in Montana in, in an hour, well, maybe two hours. So I'm, I'm right there in the middle of everything, and so I can state jump and... Yeah, that's a beautiful... Th I will say, though, you know, so we're in Michigan. I drive out to Colorado quite a bit. And driving through Nebraska is the worst. <laughs> worst state to drive through. There is nothing. And, like, 90% of the state... You know, I get why people are like, oh, it's corn. You know, well, there's, you know, open field. There's a lot of what it is. Yeah, I honestly wish, like, uh, Wyoming would just, uh, abduct, you know, just take the panhandle yeah. of Nebraska <laughs> and just accept it because that would be better hunting and, and better taxes. To be honest with you, I haven't been in eastern Nebraska in 10 years, oh, maybe really? more. People always say, you tell them you're from Nebraska, they immediately think Lincoln. Right, yep. Or o Omaha. Omaha. And I'll be honest, that is literally, as I'm as far away, they're in the, the southeast corner and I'm in the northwest corner. So I'm yep. as far away from them as I can possibly be. Yep. If we're going to fly out of somewhere, we go to Denver Okay. Yep. When we need bigger things, because we live in a small town, we go to Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, okay. It's yeah. only an hour and a half away. So, I mean, I live in Nebraska. I hunt here, but I mean, I do most of my stuff in the western states. Yeah. You know. So. So you, you got a. I mean, that's that's a good jump start to do this. You know, Super Ten. You've got. I mean, Colorado alone has what eight of the ten. Yeah. They they have like the Super Eight or or yeah. something like that that you can do. I think they have bison. Uh, they have bison buffalo to have like an actual. They don't actually have. Well, I shouldn't say. That. I actually shot my buffalo in in Colorado on a ranch that is basically it doesn't qualify for Pope and Young, which I've never put anything. I don't. Right. I don't have anything against Pope and Young, but I. I just have never. I don't. I'm not that guy. Score only means to me what. At least I can give a guy a. I can say, hey, it was a 150 buck, and they, right. and they know so they what that a, means. they have a sense of what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it really means nothing to me other than that. But so getting back to Colorado, Colorado does not have a herd of wild bison. The only two that I think, Arizona, and there's one up in Canada, yep. and then there might be one in Utah now. I don't, I, I can't remember on an island in Utah, but regardless, the, the buffalo I hunted was in Colorado. It was on a half a million acres, I think. Uh, ranch low fenced and they're considered free range it qualifies for sci and super slam if i were to actually if i were to actually get my super slam accredited or whatever right. that bison would count but it doesn't it doesn't count for Pope right. so i guess to answer your question long-windedly yes they have bison but technically it's not one of the free range right. or free not free range there's only two herds i think but anyway what are the measurables on a bison? Like, what are they looking for when they're, like, what's considered a Pope and Young bison? Like, just the size of their horns? Yeah, they just measure their, their horns. I've, honestly, the one I shot would be, I 
from what I was told, would be pretty high in Pope and Young if it was. Okay. I don't even know what it would score. Right. I'm sure the uh, it's a lot of mass and length. I honestly have no idea. I'd have to look that up. The but curse, I would assume the yaw. it's yeah. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> it's bend. a lot of mass yeah. uh, measurements on the horns. So when you're 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 out, you know, you ten different species. You know, you're with the trad bow, which you know limits your distance a little bit. Although, you, as you mentioned, you know, most of your kills aren't that far out, anyways. Are you? I mean, what? How are you going after them? I mean, do you have a, a certain strategy that's like your? This is your go-to move. You know, you watch like the born and raised outdoors guys, and they have like this. They call it the cat road shuffle, and obviously that's what only works for elk. But do you have like a? You know, every time I'm out, I'm I'm doing spot and stalk, or I'm in a tree, or or you know, still hunting or anything like that. What, what's how do you? What's your approach? You know, I don't know if I just grew up with it and and have done it so often that I don't even really know how to explain. And see, the funny thing about that I've learned about hunting different species, like if a guy goes and he's he's a whitetail killer mm-hmm. or a mule deer guy or, or whatever, he gets a, uh, I guess, a rhythm of what works and what doesn't with that certain species because every species has a different, you know, with elk, you can be a little louder. Right, right. You know, you're stepping on sticks. And sometimes, you know, you do that on purpose. With a whitetail, you're not doing that. And you step on a twig. I'm not yeah. saying that they, they won't, you know, whitetails just don't make as much noise. Uh, bears, same way, you know, they, they come in silent. So different animals react to different things differently, I guess. Yeah. You know, mule deer won't put up with, you know, sometimes in the high country or wherever, they'll put up with a little bit of rock rolling noise because they're used to different things moving around, other yeah. deer. and So, I mean, it's funny because... The, each animal has its own thing. So when you go and hunt them, I guess I kind of liken it to, uh, you know, I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none type of guy. Yeah, I guess. sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, so when you're hunting different species, you don't really become a um, just, I guess what you do is for me, I've, I don't know as if I could actually explain to you, you know, but when I'm stalking, I do the same thing, whether I, you know, I don't really have a name for it or, or, whatever i'm just trying to move as quickly as and as quietly as i can and then when i get in the red zone which is what i i you know whatever i have dictated the red zone you know it could be 100 yards on a calm day you're in some stuff that might actually make some noise or it could be you know 40 yards might be the red zone so yeah once i get to within that range i'm usually super cautious and and i use my my binoculars a ton yeah i'm looking for other deer or other whatever i'm after so it's every animal you stock is similar but you know sometimes you make a mistake you know say we went me and my wife went to florida a while back and went went after hogs and i'd never hunted hogs in florida right just in texas and the guy and i i've hunted him california too but anyway on that pig hunt we we spot and stocked and i was being way too cautious the the guy I was hunting with, he, yeah. he was hoping I'd just move in and shoot. And so, so you learn different things on these different hunts. And, you know, and even like coming from, from Michigan, we have, you know, deer that are super wary, you know, hunted re- a lot of pressure. And so you're used to going real slow. Although I will say, and this might be a, a boga tip for Jake, okay. Jared, and I actually want you to give him this tip uh, because you came up with this hunting strat, this move, the buck run. You want to tell him what the buck run is and how it was <laughs> successful this year? So, We've talked about it before in the podcast, but I don't think Jake's heard it. All right. 
Let me fill you in a little bit. Uh, in Wisconsin, I discovered a way to naturally sound like a deer <laughs> in the rut. So what I did is I decided to jog around in a big loop, kind of around <laughs> the place where we were sitting down. And I had a grunt tube in my mouth. And while I was jogging, I would grunt every so often. You know, just light grunts. Yeah, light right? grunt. Yeah, yeah. And just start thrashing around like I was a buck chasing a no. doe. And sure. it, it ended up working. You you called the couple in, right? I didn't. I well, I didn't. The thing is, I didn't call them in, but it didn't like disturb them at all. Right. Like they weren't they weren't coming in very wary, like freaking out, like there was something crazy right. going on. It was just to them, it almost sounded natural. And I will say, right. this is after you tagged out, so you yes. were you were basically scouting and you know doing some some testing. photography and stuff, testing. Really, you were in the lab at yes. that point. And so you know, Jake, to do it whatever you want with it, but there's a there's a hot boga tip for you. There you go. Yeah, the buck run. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, honestly, you know, I've used similar stuff when I'm elk hunting, you know, breaking twigs. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, you, the thing about calling animals is some animals, when they come in, are going to make some noise, especially right. an elk. And, yeah, I mean, you've sat in a tree and watched watched deer chase, you know, does and, and fight bucks. And, yeah. I mean, it's not like just hearing the rattle. You're hearing the leaves rustling, right, right. they're moving. So yeah, I mean, if you're rattling on the ground, you got to get I into actually, it. Yeah, you do. And Aaron just started doing a pretty cool uh, deal where he he was dangling his. I saw this to the ground and then hopping and, him. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. He, with a string, this, I, t- I mess him like that is amazing. It's an that. awesome idea. You knew yeah, it. I've been doing that since 2000. Baloney. I'm serious. It. Oh yeah, <laughs> you got a rattling bag. You don't even have antlers. It's the same thing. So what do you do? I tie the string. Onto yeah, for the, the bag. listener who hasn't seen Aaron Snyder do it, what what do you do? The rope when I used to sit in a tree stand. Yeah. I would have a rope that I'd pull my bow up with. Yeah. I would tie my rattling bag. Yep. Onto the end of that string and then lower it back down to the ground. Yep. You can do it with antlers too, right? You can do it with antlers, and then you're just flopping it on the ground. So you get the thump of the bag. You get a rattle sound. Yeah. And any like the leaves crunching at the same time. I mean, you could slam it up against the tree if you got a good momentum going right. but well on snyder what he put like three bucks down in the last week or something so clearly it, it's been working oh, fine for him told news man i don't know i think he i don't know it might even be more than that the Jeez. body count was big down there so he's cold-blooded <laughs> Jeez. yeah he is he's he's a he's a good hunter i we get along well because we like to shoot stuff so yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so now going back to the, the the super 10 right where'd you start what was your kind of your your entry into this uh this goal that you set for yourself well, I'm, like most people i started with white tails out here you know sitting in a stand i can remember when i was 12 my old man would drive me out. You know, we, we had set up a tree stand. It wasn't super high, you know, 10, 12 feet off right. the ground. And he'd drive me out on the county road and drop me off. And uh, I'd walk in a mile or so and get in that tree stand and, and sit the morning and <laughs> see absolutely nothing. Probably squirming around, you know, deer probably watching me from mm-hmm. 100 yards yeah. away. But <laughs> Look at it, that guy. <laughs> it was what was cool about what my old man did is he let me have some freedom. You know, it wasn't like, Hey, you got to do this or that. He was like, Hey, I'll help you set up a tree stand. And you know, you wear your safety belt, you get in there, you, you know, it was, there was a lot of freedom to it. And it took me a while, quite a while to kill my first year. It wasn't like I just went in there and shot one when I was 12. Oh yeah. But you know, I, I learned to kind of mess it up and, and figure things out. So that was kind of my start. I, I shot, my first deer when I was like, uh, man, I might, I might not have got one till I was like 
14 or 15 years old. It took me a few years to get one. Same for me. Yep. On the ground, but I feel like a lot of that though is when you're young, or at least was for me. The difficulty was, and I even had this when I switched from compound to traditional. It's not that I can't shoot, and it's not that I don't really know what to do because I had been hunting with my dad since I could, you know, was old enough to walk. It was right. that moment where you see it and you're trying to figure out how to pull the shot off, like timing. Right. And like the instinct as to, you know, this is the time to pull. This is the time to be ag- right. aggressive with your movement. And this is the time to just sit still. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and you, a guy still, uh, you know, I'm still learning a few things and you, I'll always be learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just depends on animal behavior. But yeah, that is one thing that you progress over the years with is knowing when to hold them and when to fold them, whatever that's you want right. to say it. It's, it's just, uh, you learn that. And, and that's the hardest part, you know, like when I take, first started taking my wife i would see an opportunity that was maybe fleeting and i would be like shoot 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 shoot." right and and she's like frazzled and and then it doesn't work out you know i mean she's she's a she's a killer now but when you're when you're young it's it's actually i think it's a good thing to to go through some of them struggles by yourself yeah because then you make those decisions and you learn more when you make a mistake rather than when someone else is telling you what to do and, and you either make a mistake or, or shoot something. So. Yeah, I hate that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. And I've, we were just talking before the podcast, Jared and I. This year, I, I can't say I've struggled because I've seen a lot of deer, but I just haven't either – I've just let them walk or I just, they're a little out of range or I'm just not quite comfortable with a shot where I feel like, cause this is my second year now with, with, uh, with like traditional tackle, the bit, it's just been a, a harder year. Last year I, I got my first, you know, deer, I got a bunch of other things, but my first deer with, with the trad bow. Um, and this year it just feels different. You know, I feel like I'm maybe being too picky in some sense, but in the other sure. sense it's like, there's a deer at 35 yards. I just, can't you know i'm practicing that 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 distance but i just it doesn't feel right you're exactly right it's kind of funny with with traditional gear for at least for me is it's not as so much that you sometimes 20 yards looks far you yeah. know and, and you just don't feel confident in the shot and sometimes i've shot it at animals at 30, over 30 yards and i didn't even think about it right being far so it, it really is just situational and i think patience is something that takes a while to learn because I'd, I'd say that was my biggest struggle when I started as patience. I wouldn't, in my mind, that animal was going to be in and out and gone. And my opportunity, if I saw even the slightest window, I needed to get that arrow off. Right. Quick. Yep. And that is, I think the biggest struggle to get over because once you get over that, you realize that, yeah, sometimes they do take off, you know, and you don't get your opportunity, but a lot of times, they present you with an even better one. So right. it's, it's just uh, the patience game is something that younger guys are just starting. People starting out, try to be patient. I know it's tough. I, I still struggle with it sometimes, yeah. but that's a big, big thing. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's funny because sometimes it doesn't work. So I was out last week. Uh, and so December, and it's kind of like the second rut or, you know, when the, the does that haven't been bred the first time are hitting their cycle mm-hmm. again. And that's as much as about the menstrual cycle that we're ever going to talk mm-hmm. in this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so he's chasing this doe and it's funny. It's, it's a park. It's like 600 acres. Jared and I actually both got drawn for it. Jared was in. It's a lottery system. Nice. Yeah. And so it's been great. And I'm sitting there and I see this buck chasing a doe, right? And he comes obviously in the way, the total opposite direction of where I thought, totally downwind. But I'm like, man, I'm in a park, you know, so there's people walking by. I'm sure I'll mm-hmm. gonna be okay. He gets to the edge and right uh, of kind of the woods and kind of a swampy area. And he just stops because it's right where I walked in. 
And it's funny because I'm like, oh, you know what? It's about a 40-yard shot. Like, in some situations, I might, you know, wait maybe a few more yards and feel comfortable taking a shot. But I'm like, no, you know, this that's just not right. Like, I got I to gotta wait. This buck stood at that edge for an hour and just stood oh, wow. there. Didn't move. Like, just you could tell he could smell. I knew he could smell me. I could see him, you know, sniffing and licking his, his nose and everything. I'm like, yeah, I... You know, who knows what will happen. Busted. But yeah, exactly. And he's he stands there until dark. He won't come into the woods until the dark <laughs> falls. And, of course, it was a beautiful thing because I'm like, well, how am I going to get down now without busting him out? And as I'm, like, preparing, this dude, this trail runner comes and runs. Like, he runs four feet away from my tree stand with his little light on, you know, mm-hmm. running around. So he, the deer takes <laughs> off. And he, so he pushed it out of there for me. But, but like, that was a time where I'm like, I, I don't want to rush it. This would be just a stupid thing to do to shoot this buck. And it, it didn't pan out. But I, I feel like it was, you know, I feel better for having done that than try to take this ridiculous shot with, you know, with a longbow. Yeah, because how bad would you have felt if you did take that shot and either you, you missed yeah. or Even you worse. hit it bad? You know, right. now you're talking a whole different area of emotions and yeah. consequences and yeah exactly and you don't want to learn that way yeah yeah i agree so you are um you're, you're spending time with uh are you a recurve or are you, you a longbow guy uh recurve i've i've only shot a longbow a handful of times any reason for that or just not really i mean i just started out with a, a recurve probably just from watching the two freds yeah you know fred eichler I mean? and fred bear yeah yeah, I just kind of, you know, and my dad had a old Fred Bear. I don't know what kind of bear bow it was, but it was a recurve. And yeah. so really that's just all I ever knew. So that's kind of where I picked it up when I started. So not a huge. I, so last year I shot a recurve this year. I'm shooting a long bow. Not a huge difference. I don't think like some people are like, well, the recurve is faster, but a more aggressive. The longbow is, you know, more forgiving. I could, I could agree to that. You could, it, it's just not a huge amount though. Why, why, why would you say that Jared? Just the minimal times that I'm able to shoot your bow yeah. when you're not looking. Yeah. You shoot it all the time. You're yeah. pretty good with it. I'm not, I'm not too shabby. I mean, no. I can hit some at five yards, but <laughs> pulling back both of them, the recurve is a lot more aggressive and I just feel like the longbow is just mellow. Yeah. That's a, I guess a good way to put it. Sure. Right. Well, yeah. And I guess for me, probably the biggest, the newest thing that I would say, the difference that I like in the longbow or the recurve as opposed to longbow. And, and I'm sure I could get a longbow built this way, but the yeah. mass weight of a, of a recurve's more. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of weight in my bow. Yeah. That's been a huge so. thing for me. Cause I, last year I had a metal, uh, aluminum riser, you know, and you know, a three piece takedown. Now I've got a single piece mm-hmm. wood too so it's yeah. just a huge difference yeah now when you're yeah. talking weight jake what i mean how many pounds are you talking as far as mass weight yeah yeah, yeah yeah i don't know what my hardcore is honestly but it's heavy yeah. it's 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 solid micarta it's a solid micarta riser so okay. it's it's fairly heavy and before when i shot i i've i really only shot a few different bows per i mean i've shot a ton of bows we did a big bow test me and aaron but the two bows that i've actually owned the palmer it was fairly heavy mass weight, but it was a wood riser. The Bob Lee I'm shooting now, it yeah, it's it's got more mass weight, and I tell you what, I love it. It makes makes me way more stable. Yeah, th- those... I've never shot a bow that as good as I shoot this one. I guess is what I should say. Those Bob Lee bows are they look awesome. I mean, they've been around for a while too, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, they've been around as long as anybody. I you know back way back and and I you like I said you have to get all this from Rob but yeah. back in the day 
you know, it was basically just wing, which was Bob Lee yep. and bare boat, you know, Fred bear. And I, there might've been a few other ones, but they're not still around. And then, uh, when the compound came out, I think Bob just said, Hey, we can't compete with this. Right. And then a few years later, you know, it kind of made a cycle back and, and more guys were shooting the recurve. So Rob, his son said, Hey dad, let's, let's, started up again so then they started bob lee bows and they've been at it ever since and rob is in charge and and bob is retired but yeah it, i mean i tell you what i i'm so glad i i used to shoot pretty good and i'm not saying i'm great shot but i'm i do all right and yeah. it's i definitely shoot this bow better than i did and i honestly i shot i actually shot my entire super 10 with the same bow did you really <laughs> so, yeah so anyway I'm, I'm not saying palmer's honestly mike great guy he's taking good care of me but he uh you know he's kind of getting out of the game anyway oh uh, back in the day i don't know if this is all how true it is i know him and bob lee were partners at one time for oh. a short stint so it was kind of natural for me to gravitate to that bow and, and when we did the test i just you liked it, it was the it was the bow that that was the mm-hmm. it was the quietest bow which i liked yeah wasn't the fastest bow but not not too far off of any of the other ones and i'm a big i don't like wood risers i've had some issues before trips i've had cracks in my risers and different things that and i know a lot of guys build a lot of wood bows and don't have any problems with them guys Mm -hmm. shoot them 20 years later but for me it's just i want to be able to throw that riser off a cliff and yeah my my limbs aren't going to make it but i've always got an extra set of limbs right throw them on and away i go and i mean i'm that bob lee the I tell you what, it's a guy that travels a bunch. They have that stable lock system, and and that's just so so slick. You just pop them limbs, slide them in, slide them out. Yeah, that's sweet. So yeah, I mean, it just fit every bill for me. That's a that's a huge. So I really, I, so I'm shooting the uh, Great Northern Fireball, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one yep. piece though, and I do miss because the other one was was a three piece takedown, and I do miss the ability to because otherwise you're you're trying to figure out how to get it like angle it in your car, try not to short right. shut a door on it, which. I've shut doors on enough fishing pole ends, you know, <laughs> to know that could happen with a long Fenwick boat. loves you. Fenwick does love me, and St. Croix, too. I've you know, given him a lot of business that way. <laughs> yeah, I Bob, great northern, he's a he's a good dude. I mm-hmm. like, I well, his quivers. They're awesome. I've run different quivers, but Bob's, I've tried different ones just testing stuff, and I always knit, come back to the great northern. I've used it for basically since I started. Yeah, and uh, he's an awesome guy. So yeah, I, I like hearing guys shooting his bows. I almost not to, I almost forget he he makes bows just because yep. I like his quiver so much. Well, but, I think he gets that. He's such a. Actually, I was texting him today. I didn't even tell you this, Jared. I've been trying to get him on the podcast. He's very hesitant because he's like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. We have to drive all the way back <laughs> down to his shop again. Yeah, because he his shop is probably it's awesome 30 minutes away from here watch them oh nice yeah. so I, I keep saying it's like well, i'm like it's not your job to come up with what to talk about i'll just ask you questions we'll talk about it yeah. so yeah we'll see because he, he was a chatty guy when we were in there he was when we were visiting yeah and he's going to be in kalamazoo actually jake you're going to be in kalamazoo this at, at january the, right at the traditional bull hunters expo yeah yeah i am talking this exact topic yeah well we're going to try to make it there because that's again that's 45 minutes from from where we're at yeah. so 
So nice. if anyone is interested, it should be a, around what the end of January. Let me see. Like yeah, I think it's like the twenty fifth or something. Twenty mm-hmm. fifth and sixth, something oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah, twenty fifth. You're gonna be twenty seventh. And for everybody listening, Saturday, four p.m., January twenty five. Join Jake as he shares his inspiring journey of <laughs> taking the Super Ten with a traditional bow. Boom. Hey. There you go. Oh yeah, you guys can all make fun of me for. I'm not. I don't know <laughs> I'm gonna, if I'm a public speaker. I'm, I'm going to get it. your autograph. I'm going front row, <laughs> and I'm going to throw popcorn at you. Uh, yeah, I, th- I figured uh, you'd throw panties at him. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> fresh. Yeah, you don't want Jared's panties. fresh panties. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so uh, when you're when you're shooting, are you instinctive? Are you three under? Are you? What, how are you aiming? Uh, I am pretty much fully instinctive. I shoot split finger. You do? Uh, just because, yeah. Oh. Well, it's, I guess for me, it's a probably old school way of shooting. You yeah. know, I mean, that's, you know, I started, oh, probably 15 years ago. Well, I started when I was 12, so even farther, 20 years ago when I was 12. Yep. And that's how everybody shot, you know, that's right. how you that was shot the thing. split finger. I just got comfortable with it and have never changed. I usually coach, not coach, I'd never coach anybody because I don't. You know, I've never had any formal coaching, so right. I don't give anybody actual. But I always tell them, try both. You know, try mm-hmm. 300. Most new guys will like that 300 just to get the arrow up, you know, Closer to a their little eye. higher. So I'm not against the 300 at all. I just don't, no point. If it ain't broke, don't fix it right. type yep. of guy. So. so what we're we're talking about here for, for like, the new listener or the, the person new to archery, so – there's a different ways to, to aim your, your bow and to where to put your finger. So Jake, and actually this is the way that I started shooting this year too. I'm shooting split finger as well. Um, so you've got your, your pointer finger above the arrow and your, your uh, middle and your ring finger are below the arrow. Some people will shoot three under, which means all three are under the arrow. Um, that way it brings your arrow up closer to your eye. So you're, you know, if you're aiming at, with the tip of your arrow, then your point on will be a little bit you'll, like closer range uh, at point on with three under. Right. And, and then going into to aiming techniques, so there's instinctive, which we talked a little bit on the podcast, though. It's like basically you just focus on your target. You don't worry about range finding. A lot of times some people do. You're just looking at that target. It's the same way that you would throw a baseball. Like you don't you know, take into account yardage when you're throwing a baseball. You just your brain does it. There are some people, though, that will do the, you know, the string walking, which is basically sliding your fingers up or down the string based on how far away the target is. And there's, there's tons of other ways, and there's a bunch of information online. But just to fill people in listening, uh, instinctive is, is kind of what I switched to do to this year, Jake. And actually, I really like it. It's just simple. Yeah, yeah. That's Honestly, that's why I shoot a, a stick bow is, is the simplicity of it. On You know, at the end of the day, you know, I try to work on my form, and, and I try to, when I'm practicing, I try to, you know, pull through. But honestly... I when an animal's there, I, I just go into uh, autopilot, yeah. and that and a lot of guys say that's a bad thing. You know, Joel Turner. Yeah, he does. Uh, Aaron Aaron's always Shot telling sequence. me if you don't hit the clicker, it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Well, I've every animal I've killed, then it doesn't count because I've even when I've had a clicker on, I don't know if I've ever even paid attention to it. Really, so, you're just pulling. Yeah, you know. So, though, I mean, go ahead. You know, Practice makes perfect. Yeah, and then when you're in the moment, uh, but some guys are different. You know, some guys need to be there they need you know everybody's different so i'm not telling anybody to go because some guys lose it in the moment they have to draw and let it go so definitely if you whatever you just got to find what works for you so that's the main thing that's the coolest thing about traditional archery too there are so many ways to do it and and don't let people tell you that when like say you go to a shop this is the only way to shoot it 
you're an idiot if you don't shoot it this way. And a lot of those old crusty, you know, traditional archer guys will kind of tend that way. Not all of them. Or they're like, I, you, you know, yeah. oh, you're shooting three under. What do you, you know, you got to shoot split finger. And it's like, okay, well, you know, but it is the beautiful part about it. It's just very up to the shooter, which is, which is cool. It's so customizable. You know, that's the, that's the coolest part about it. You know, everything from your string and, yep. and your bow woods and your, your quiver, you know, and now all these quiver companies are, are leather engraving. I mean, oh, you yeah. can have such a customized bow. It's just such a cool thing. And, and the fact that, you know, Aaron and some of these other guys are getting younger guys into it, uh, making it something everybody kind of, or more people want to do yeah. just makes it even better because now these companies are able to, uh, thrive, I guess, right. and do some of these more custom and cool engravings. I mean, Trent, Trent Wingard's a good buddy of mine. And yeah. That dude can make some of the uh, carvings and stuff he does on bows is just unbelievable, and he does it all by hand. I mean, oh really? Because his his engravings, I'm just gonna pull it up for Jared here. They're incredible. They're I mean, incredible. He's the most artistic dude. Uh, we get along great. I, I I've shot his bows. I just didn't. They're great bows. I just didn't uh, shoot it as well as the Bob Lee. I mean, just little things like that. If you if you want something on your bow. Um, yeah, you're just not going to get it as easy with a compound. You know, I mean, you can customize a compound to a certain point. You're throwing but... stickers on at that point, really. <laughs> you kind of are, yeah. yeah so. Which Jared hates when I do. I still put stickers on everything. <laughs> I, do I don't know it. why I do it. I don't put stickers. Actually, I had one old, my old Jeep. I had, that thing was pretty much one sticker. Yeah, my brother drives it. Yeah, <laughs> that's so right. Did he take it. those stickers off? No, he's added to it. Oh, nice. I'm glad that he uh, carried on that tradition. I'm like, you, gonna, you can take those stickers off. He goes, no. <laughs> awesome. Them. Yeah, that that's great. Okay, so aiming techniques, got that down. You know, and you brought something up about the like the popularity of, of traditional archery. It's going up. I mean, you've got guys like the Push, Bohan, uh, the Chronicles, uh, Stringbow, Stringbow Chronicles. What is that what it is? Stickbow, Stickbow yeah. Chronicles. <laughs> Whatever those guys are called, uh, great guys. Uh, yeah. But why do you think there's the the rise of like why is it getting popular now? You know, probably because of of that. I mean, yeah. I think these younger guys, and I'll be honest. I mean, I'm a friend. Aaron's a good friend of mine. Yeah. But he is probably not not obviously not single handedly bringing more young people in. But he compared to other people, he's probably brought in more people than anybody because yeah. there's really no one else in this world right now mm-hmm. that is you know popular with that crowd i guess if that made sense right so all these guys have been following him or watching him for years and they're all compound guys or whatever younger guys are our age whatever as he went into it and showed people that it was there was success in it everybody wanted to jump in and as soon as you jump in yeah, I mean, it's not as easy as he makes it look, but it's so much fun. It's yeah. so much fun to shoot. And, and so even if guys don't go out and hunt or, or have, a, have a good, successful season, they're still jumping in and trying it. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, so I give him a lot of credit. And then, uh, you know, the push guys, the, you know, all, all of those guys, Stickbow Chronicles, those guys are – they're cool dudes. I, I get along great with them. You know, there's a lot of just every, it just stemmed from all of that. A I lot think. of good information from them too. You know, even the, the trad geeks. I mean, all these guys have the, the, when I, we talked about this before, but the push has this like two hour video about all things, you know, traditional archery. Mm-hmm. And that was right. I watched Aaron get into it. I saw this video. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's doable. And I, I swear part of the reason it's popular is 
how good it looks to take a picture of one and throw it on Instagram. That wood bow, you know, I right. swear it's like people see like that looks really cool, and I want to do that just because it looks cool, which is yeah, you know, whatever you want to say what it is, but it's I think it's part of it too. Whatever you want to, whoever you want to give it credit to, there's not one person, but all yeah. those young guys getting into it are giving it a uh, a cool spin, and then when once guys jump in, they realize how much fun it is, yeah. how customizable things are. It's just fun, so it. it I'm glad it's growing. It's, you know, when I started, there wasn't all that stuff. Right. I was just watching Fred Bear. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have gotten into it because of Fred Eichler, just like I did. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he, he probably gets some credit as well because he showed people that, that you don't have to go shoot a 200-inch deer to make it fun. You can go shoot, uh, you know, a 3x3 three three or a doe or whatever, and it, it's just as exciting. And, yeah, he's been posting yeah, this week a couple. We had him on a couple months ago, but he's been posting – couple smaller bucks that he's jacked about and he gets excited when he shoots a deer too exactly and that's i i that's probably the reason i liked him so much and that's what i like to see for for really young kids especially or guys starting out because if you're just thinking you got to go out and shoot a a, you know 150 buck or or bust it's you know it's just not that realistic for a lot of guys yeah. so it just takes them down so you're just not going to you know, shoot a lot because there's just most of the time for the average person there's just not a whole lot of 150 class bucks out there especially if you get a, a recurve well exactly and i'm not saying you know 150 class is a nice deer but it's nothing it's not no monster by any means but what i'm yeah and, and what i'm saying is build from the ground up yeah. you know shoot a doe or a, a young spike or whatever don't if that bothers you don't shoot it yep. if you're not going to be happy with it don't shoot it but Work your way up, and the only way to learn to be a good hunter is to get opportunities, shoot your shoot animals. I mean, that's how you learn how to blood trail, how to wear different hits. Yep. I've shot deer that were amazing shots in my mind and didn't find them. You know what I mean? Just weird stuff happens. So the more experience you get, the better. Yeah, I think it's it's a good thing to yeah, absolutely. Well, we're coming up on time here, Jake. But before we go, I want to give people the opportunity to find you. I don't know how interested you are in people finding you, but if you are, where can they like find out more about you, follow you, you know, and your hunts and stuff like that? Sure. I do most of my stuff on Instagram. I mean, I'm on Facebook. Um, it's just Jake Downs on Instagram. I think it's Jake underscore D underscore Downs. It's kind of a, a long one, but apparently there's like a million Jake Downs in the world. <laughs> So they took all the good, the good handles. That's but why we yeah, chose Boga. Yeah. No one else had it. <laughs> well, that's not a bad play. And I have a lot of guys that are getting into it or have questions. Hit me up, and that's totally fine. I'm, I'm, I'm all about helping. And if I don't know an answer, yeah, I might know somebody that does. So yeah, it hit yeah. me up. Well, and for everybody who I'm sure is listening to this and wants Jake's autograph, <laughs> to Traditional Archery Expo, January 25. It's a Saturday. Kalamazoo, Michigan, the zoo. He'll be there talking about his uh, his Super 10, so come check it out. We'll be there too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. To follow along on what we're currently up to, follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting and check out our website, bogahunting.com. If you want to help us out, please leave a review and hit the subscribe on iTunes or on whatever platform you're listening on. Join us next week as we talk about how to buy your first bow and some of the steps that kind of go with it. So tune in next week, and thanks for listening.